everybody, welcome back to another episode of Spatula Stories. Today is extra special because we have a guest with us. But before I get into that, you have Sumi, me, your host, and you have James, and we have Pastor Ben, who is the senior pastor of our church. Would you mind introducing yourself? Oh, I think you just introduced me. <laughs> no, but like you need to tell us more. Like, yeah. Uh, ben, senior pastor at First <laughs> okay. SF, um, have a wife, Alana, and two sons, Ezekiel and Levi, and another son uh, due in just over a month. Uh, so we're leading towards Malachi. I think oh, we're pretty sad. So nice. <laughs> hasn't been put out online yet. Whoa. So this is, we're just dropping hot content right off the bat. I do just want to say, long-time listener, first-time yes, featured <laughs> guest on the podcast. Yay, thank you for coming. So typically, we always start with an icebreaker question. And yeah, so the question for this week is, if you had to make one animal go extinct to save the whole planet, which animal would you choose? Oh, I love that question, Sue. That's such a good one. <laughs> Do insects count as animals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mosquitoes. Oh, that's fair. That's easy. That's, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's the ice being broken. But which, one would you, which animal would you make extinct, Sumi? I think sloths. I don't know. I just think they're weird. I think they're so weird. I don't know. They just they just give me bad vibes. Like I can't explain it. (laughs) That just seems cruel, though. (laughs) Like I mean, they just they don't do anything. Exactly. I'm like, what is their use to society? I'm sure they do something. (laughs) Now we're getting deep. We engage things based. Is it just because they're lazy that you just make them extinct? You just I don't know. They just look weird. Something about them. Yeah. And know. how is this framed? <laughs> we make them extinct to save society? Yeah, to save, save society. <laughs> See, so like, we wouldn't need them, probably. Like, <laughs> you don't but, know that. Maybe like the whole world would just go out of sync without that's sloths. That's true. Who knows? <laughs> how, what, do, is there a way that getting rid of sloths could make a, a, a difference in society? Like, would there be a, some type of problem that we feel like getting rid of sloths save society? Mosquitoes, to me, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, that's there's true. A lot of diseases, that's fair. There's a lot of problems. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. People would be happier without them. That's my <laughs> That's conjecture. <not> <laughs> I don't know. You ever seen the movie Zootopia? Yeah, uh, I have. <laughs> Watch it a lot with my boys, the, uh-huh. the, the sloths who work at the DMV. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. James, what about you? Oh, I don't know. Like it, I could go for something like the deer tick if that was like <laughs> another animal that I feel like would benefit society to remove like, you know, diseases and stuff like that. But the deer tick? The deer tick. This like, is a type of tick that's yeah, on deer. I, I don't know if it's like I don't know if ticks are like maybe just ticks in general. Like I feel like uh, they yeah. cause a lot of problems, but um But you specifically don't like this one that I don't know. I just, deer. I had I had a friend who ha- who had who caught some disease from Whoa. from a tick. I forget what it's called. It's like it's a really bad like ailment that ticks spread. I forget. Uh, I'm gonna guess, but I'm on a podcast. I feel like I'm probably just yeah. wrong. Is it Lyme disease? <laughs> Lyme disease. That's okay. right. Yeah. And, oh, that affected Justin Bieber. And yeah. She was like <laughs> really. <rid of> them. <laughs> yeah, she was wrecked by it. So I feel like that's probably like an easy. But maybe they just—I don't know. Maybe they're helpful in some ways. I don't know. No. Cockroaches. Never mind. Cockroaches. Ooh. That's mm. easy. Cockroaches. My answer, actually. <laughs> yeah. I feel like cockroaches would be a good one to get. Yeah. After living of. here, so mosquitoes are definitely a problem in Louisiana, where I'm from. So that's why it first comes to mind. But living here, like mice and rats, are not. Uh, we're not big fan. Uh, but I know a you lot work of mice. with them. Yeah. I'm like, don't take away my mice. <laughs> so uh, there's. It's just. 
But being in San Francisco, I feel You're like everywhere. I, That's yeah, great. we had one in our house, couldn't catch Aww. it. It was a, you have to make friends with the mice. That's what we <laughs> I feel like this fact. was not a, a friendly mouse. Sorry. Well, um, no, I was just going to say, fun fact, rats apparently have more of a personality that like you can really, really get to know than mice. Yeah. Do mice you, are kind of just, eh. Do you work with rats and no, mice I or do. just mice? Just rats. Oh, yeah. just rat, rats. Sorry, just mice. Oh. Not rats. Yeah, just mice. <laughs> But yeah, people say like rats, you can like get to know their personality a bit better. Gratitude. Oh, fair. <laughs> yeah, they're great chefs too. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for answering. So now I'm just going to move into like the question part of this podcast. And I feel very powerful asking this question because <laughs> I feel like Pastor Ben knows everybody's testimony. Like before you become a member, he's like, what's your testimony? But I don't think I've ever asked. So what is your testimony? Yeah. I was uh, raised in a Christian home, grew up with godly parents and going to church. And so I could just remember hearing the gospel at a young age and um, and believing it, like just as a kid, going to things like vacation Bible school, hearing and, and believing what Jesus had done for me um, and for, for us. And um, so I got baptized when I was eight. And um, I believe I, I truly had faith and believed at that point. Um, so I think from there, I never really had like a, a moment when I, I really strayed like far from the faith, but there was certainly a lot of growth that needed to happen, obviously. And so um, like youth group was a big time in my life, um, high school, um, met my wife in youth group. Um but to be able to uh, just kind of learn more about um, the reality of the faith, uh, some of the kind of deeper things where it's not just a, a nice story that you tell kids, mm-hmm. um, but it is, you know, um, transforming in its power. Mm-hmm. And to just have people that were a little bit older than me, um, a little bit, you know, smarter than me, be able to kind of show me that this is a you know, not just something you kind of blindly believe by faith, but there's like good reason for the faith um, was just impactful for me, like in high school and then getting into college. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's that's my testimony in a nutshell. Um, very thankful for that. I, I kind of struggled at times with like, I didn't have like a powerful testimony, you know, in some ways, like you'd often hear people that were saved in like really radical ways later on in life. And so just to grow up in church and kind of always believed, um, always, I struggled with that at points, kind of wondering like, is that a really a testimony? But I think for God to, um, I think like one of the things with things we see in scripture is like a lot of times one of the dangerous things about ever becoming a, you know, a Christian truly believe in the gospel is thinking of yourself as a good person, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I do think when God saves people who maybe kind of grew up morally and and nice religiously is a powerful testimony um, just as much as if it was someone who is kind of outdoing the the quote unquote like bad things. Mm. Um, So, yeah. You said that you never really like straight away, I guess, quote unquote. Do you think, why do you think that was? Is it like your parents or do you think it's just your personality or yeah? Yeah, I think 
I mean, and there was, there's been times when, like, I think I questioned whether or not I was really saved. So I don't think, like, I strayed away, like, in going, like, a, you know, prodigal son, like, Mm -hmm. going and and rebelling in in major ways. But there were certainly times when I wasn't, like, being transformed like I thought a Christian should be, or kind of where you do wonder, was I just, did I just kind of get this culturally from my parents, but it's not really part of my life? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe there would be, like, certain besetting sins that, you'd have trouble fighting. And so you kind of wonder, um, is this really, is the gospel real in my life? And so there have been times when I feel like I struggled with those questions. Um, but I think in terms of, I didn't like stray in terms of really doubting um, the gospel, God, the, the truth of the the word. Um, I, I would say to me, it made a really big impact having kind of older people in my life, like I mentioned earlier, um, that I think helped. I think I've seen a lot of times like doing youth ministry or working with young people. A lot of times there will be a time when someone who's grown up in church will start to kind of look around and, and maybe they're like the older one in the youth group or like they kind of are, are not looking up to anyone anymore. And that's mm-hmm. when they kind of start to maybe question or pursue other things. And I think God was just gracious to put um, kind of like big brothers in my life, not mm-hmm. like I don't have brothers, but just like kind of some mentors or just some um, people who are strong in the faith or just give me the chance to read things that were kind of intellectually uh, rigorous. And so I never just kind of, even at a young age, I didn't think this was just kind of a another religion, but saw that there were like many smart people or people I respected that really uh, still hold held to this faith. And so um, I think maybe that had something to, to do with it. Uh, maybe something I, I think with my, my parents, just having a really good relationship with my parents, didn't feel the need to like rebel against them. It was, I kind of saw from an early age, if I do the things that they tell me to do, then there's like great freedom and things I get to do with that. And so I think that's something people a lot of times have to learn the hard way. And it was just observing my older sisters and them learning the hard way or other things. But I think I was able to just kind of believe that from an early age. Mm -hmm. It left you speechless. I know. It's a good good answer. (laughs) Yeah. But so, so Pastor Ben, when when did you know you wanted to be a pastor on this like on this journey as a as a believer? Like, was that something you knew from a young age? Like, how does one become a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two different questions. So yeah, we can get into the process later if you want. But so, yeah, for my life, I didn't think I wanted to be a pastor at a young age. Um, I think. I always loved the church, always loved the word. And so I enjoyed, like, even as a youth, if I got the chance to teach children Sunday school or do different things, I liked that. And so I always kind of thought, I will go do something else for a job. You know, I'll do something else, but I'll always be involved in the church. That's the way my parents were. And this is the way I kind of approached it. And some of it, I think, uh, why I didn't think about being a pastor early on was a little bit of uh, pride. Um, where I'm from, at least kind of in Louisiana and our, our culture of church, um, usually, this is going to sound kind of bad, but this is just shows the pride, I feel like. But usually, I think the perception was the smartest people didn't become pastors. You know, like, mm-hmm. you were kind of like, you if you were smart, go do something engineering or be a doctor or lawyer, things like that. Like, really apply yourself to something that's really important. And then sometimes it was almost like, well, people who, who couldn't do some of those things could be a, a still a good pastor, you know. And that was kind of the, the, the mindset I feel like I had was like, 
um, doing pretty well in school, uh, able to kind of pursue certain things in education. So I should probably do that. And then I'll just serve the church on the side, uh, if you will. And so uh, I went to college at LSU, go Tigers. Um, I, uh, it's a game day as we're recording this. So I um, studied engineering there and kind of thought that that's what I would do, um, civil engineering. And it was... Um, at the end of my freshman year, I was going to spend that summer. I thought I was going to do an internship at like an engineering firm. And my dad kind of knew somebody, so I had a connection. And just before um, I kind of officially accepted that job, I, I, this youth pastor reached out to me from Texas. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she had worked at this um, church the summer before. Uh, this was a bigger church. They would bring in like a number of interns each summer. And he reached out and said, um, how'd you like to spend the summer interning for our youth ministry? And I was like, I'm going to do engineering for the rest of my life. I get to go spend the summer working at church, be with my girlfriend. So I chose that. And I think it was kind of that experience that God helped me to see that I had a, a great passion to um, spend my time um, kind of learning and then teaching mm. and counseling the way I did with students. And so when I came back uh, from that summer, I kept um, studying engineering, but started to get more involved in the church. And by the time I was a junior at LSU, I'd kind of started working at my home church and had pretty much you know, committed to um, being in ministry in some form. I didn't really know what it was going to look like for sure. Um, so finished my degree in uh, civil engineering at LSU, but as soon as I graduated, started seminary, started serving at my my home church. Um, and so to me, it was like kind of a, a gradual process, but I, I talked to a lot of, you know, pastors, ministers in that process, and somebody told me, you know, um, if you can do anything else and be happy, you should do it. Because to be a pastor, you really need to kind of have this conviction that you're kind of called to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I totally, like, totally subscribe to that advice now, like if I would just give it to someone the exact same way. I think there is a lot of truth to it, that there is a somewhat of like an emotional and spiritual um, involvement in ministry and being a pastor that other jobs don't have, that you do need to have some like conviction that this is what God's called me to do. But I, I don't know if, if that's like, sometimes we treat the calling only for the pastor, where I feel like people are called by God into all sorts of vocations. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I wouldn't put necessarily the pastoral calling way above the others like some people do. But I, I do think there is some truth that when I looked at my life and I started to think about whether it was engineering or some other fields I, I was kind of interested in, it was mostly just like, well, it's something that's going to pay the bills, and then I can go do the stuff that you know would be ministry mm-hmm. or in the church. And so when he kind of phrased it like that, I started to think, well, it doesn't seem like I'd really be happy doing those things. It would just be a job for me to do ministry. And so um, so that was kind of one of the, the questions or conversations that really stuck in my mind to kind of commit to being a pastor. Do you think you'll be a pastor for the rest of your life? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. And that's where I, I kind of wrestle with like the calling and conviction. I think I'll be involved in some type of pastoral ministry for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, I wasn't always a senior pastor. I was a youth pastor and associate pastor and now a, a senior lead pastor of a church. And I do think that just based on my gifting and personality, 
Like being in this role that I'm in now is is good and will be good for me for a long period of time. But um, I do have a passion to help raise up other like leaders and pastors. And so I don't know if there'll be some point in the future where that's just something I do on the side along with pastoring the church, or if God would call me to to change my focus from pastoring a local congregation to maybe raising up pastors and theological education or other like training. So. I think I'll be involved in like kind of church pastoring uh, for the rest of my life, but obviously God could could do a lot of different things. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> you kind of dabbed when you did it too. <laughs> we got to keep that in the podcast. <laughs> um, speaking of your personality, I feel like you already kind of touched on this, but what like what attributes about you do you think make you a good pastor and are there attributes about you that you think make you like not like are there things that are sort of weaknesses yeah i don't know how to phrase that but yeah i've met a lot of different um pastors so i don't think there's like a right Mm -hmm. personality type um i guess for for me the things that i feel like god's kind of wired me to enjoy doing um, spending my time in uh, kind of fits where I am right now. Um, and so I guess that's what I mean. But I, I feel like people could be introverted or extroverted as pastors. They could be, um, you know, very outgoing or not so outgoing, or they, you know, I don't I know, a lot, a lot of different personality types I think God could use in ministry and to be pastors. I think for me, the the way I enjoy kind of studying and teaching, the way I enjoy working with people. Um, I think God has kind of wired me to be able to just like sit and listen to people. Um, Often, you know, as a pastor, you are talking, like I I preach, I give guidance and counsel. There's a lot of times when people just need someone to sit and listen with them. And I do kind of have the the personality where I can just kind of uh, be laid back and sit and listen and talk to people for um, a longer period of time where I think some people kind of need to get up or go do something or maybe have a hard time just doing that. And so I think those are some of the the ways that God has, has wired me to be a pastor. I think there's some things that um, obviously I, either they're probably just things I need to improve on or even like it could be like sinful parts of me that make me not the, the best pastor I could be. Um, like I don't, I don't love the like probably administrative duties of, of being a pastor. So like setting the budget and um, some of those elements of kind of like, uh, and thankfully we have a good staff here that helps me do some of those things. Some of them need to, to fall on me. And so there's areas where I could just be strengthened and, and grow. Um, and then I, I think there's other ways that, yeah, just even just growing in, in humility and growing in the ability to, both be a leader, but at the same time, a listener and a learner, um, I think are, are ways that I personally, you know, need to grow to be a better pastor. Uh, so, Pastor Ben, someone asked me this question. I'd be curious what your answer is. This is a very hard question. <laughs> someone asked me, what do you think is the most important trait for, uh, for a pastor? So I, I wonder what your answer would be to that. What did you say? You, you said somebody asked you before. Did, did you say, I, let me I ask my pastor? I sat down and I was silent for like five minutes. Yeah. And I was thinking and I answered humility. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, there's... Um, in the in the Bible, there's a couple of places that give kind of qualifications for a pastor. First Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And so I think those are obviously 
I don't think they're given in like a, an order, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I think that those would be good ones to, to kind of lean on. Um, what's interesting when you look at both of those lists, I would say that it's almost all character and not so much gifting or, mm-hmm. or competency. Yeah. Really, the only thing in those lists about being able to do something is just able to teach. Mm-hmm. But everything else is about, um, you know, being your character, Um being humble, or they may not be listed exactly, you know, in there, um, but being above reproach, um, being a person of integrity, I think those things are um, are more important. And I think that's interesting when you start to look at the way people look for a pastor, maybe when they're looking to hire a pastor at their church, or people are deciding which church to go to, um, or different things. I, I'm not sure we always... Put the Value focus, yeah. Put the focus on the character. We look a lot more at the gifting a lot of times. Interesting. And I think um, you know, there's a podcast that came out uh, last year about the rise and fall of Mars mm-hmm. Hill Church, and that was something they focused on. Was like, there's a lot of times, um, especially uh, young guys who are very gifted, get roles that they may not be ready for, and it's kind of like they're their gifting or their talents kind of outrun their character. And so they're given these big platforms or important roles when they really should be kind of maturing in a lot of those areas. Mm. And so I do think that that is something, um, so I don't know if it'd be hard to pick one characteristic, yeah. but I definitely think that that would be the the way to, to look at it. Interesting. Um, yeah. You already mentioned this, but you did move from being a youth pastor to being a senior pastor here at that church. Can you talk about like what that process was like? When did you feel called to leave? And yeah, yeah. So I did youth ministry for I mean times when I was in college, and then probably like as a youth pastor for about um, a decade between my home church in Louisiana and then the church in Las Vegas where I was before this. Um, I'll just you know a few things I guess would be that I the way I approached being a youth pastor was I really wanted to be a pastor to the youth, where I feel like there's been times when I've I've been around others where it was kind of more of a you're almost like maybe just like a, a program director, like mm-hmm. setting kind of things up or um, an event planner where you're just trying to get kids to come to things. Uh, but for me, I always, when I committed to being a pastor, I wanted to be a pastor. I just felt like, like I was just talking about, I think probably, you know, just in, in maturing, there's a lot of ways I probably was not ready to be a, a senior pastor of a, of a church. And so having some kind of leadership over me was really good. Um, but then also just being young enough to relate to middle schoolers and high schoolers and having the energy to keep up with middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, and so I think I'd always approached, I wanted to be a pastor, but I think I just started to try to gauge, uh, you know, based on where I am in life, based on kind of my maturity, where do I, um, where do I think my, my pastoring should be like focused on? And so I think for a long time, it, it was rightly focused on youth, which would be like middle school, high school and college students. And I think there's some ways where I could somewhat still do that. Like I could, I could get a, you know, I could watch TikTok and I could figure out the, <laughs> the trends, right? And like I could make the references. Um, but like, there's ways I could still connect with that age group. But I mean, when you start to have young kids, like doing things at the time that youth do them can be tough. Um, there's just some like stage of life things. There's just some personality things where I feel like um, I did. Um, I, I think God, you know, placed me in the right roles. Like I think I did a good job connecting with those youth, but also didn't have like the all the energy or all the, the sometimes the. Um, 
parts of my personality weren't probably great to reaching new youth or things like that. And so kind of recognizing, I think God was calling me to shift my focus. So I did have like a year um, at my last church. I had basically a year where I had totally given up youth ministry. There was like one year when I kind of wore a bunch of hats and I was like youth pastor and like associate pastor. And then there was a year in which I had totally given off the youth ministry and I was focusing on discipleship and missions and I was getting more chances to teach and preach. And I think that year was really formative for me kind of confirming I, I, it is good that I'm shifting my focus. And so at that point, just kind of feeling like God was calling me to pastor a church, but he was going to open up the door at the right time. And so I, you know, uh, I felt called to be like more in the city somewhere. I didn't know like which city, but we had always kind of been like in the suburbs. And so we just kind of felt a calling to to pastor a church, to be in the city, but just didn't know the timetable, didn't know where it would be. Um, and so just saw that uh, First Baptist of San Francisco was down in the city, was looking for a pastor, was willing to look at my resume, even though I'd never been a senior pastor before, which a lot of churches, it's one of those weird job things, right? Like people want you to be- 12 years of experience. 12 years of experience, but 25, you know, they want you to have, yeah. So a lot of people want you to have senior pastor experience before they'll hire you as their senior pastor, but- First SF was willing to at least like uh, do the interview awesome. process with me, and so I think it was it was obvious to me that all the things God had begun to put in my heart were were right here at this church, and so I wanted to kind of walk in obedience to that, and so it just kind of helped confirm some of those things that I felt like um, I had been called to as I shifted my my focus in ministry. Speaking of youth, I just remembered um, a question that everyone has been like, so you must ask Pastor Ben this question. <laughs> and so the question is background. You've mentioned Taylor Swift twice in uh. your sermons, <laughs> and everyone is like, Pastor Ben is a secret Taylor Swift fan. So we need to know. Seriously, two people asked me to like ask him this question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I would say I am not a Swifty. Mm, I don't know. Just because I would, I would imagine the the Swifty community would be ashamed <laughs> to, to claim to, to claim me. You in their midst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not that committed. So, to be fair, let's just clear the air a little bit. My two references were one to the way a theologian on Twitter had unpacked her album, and then two, her commencement speech at NYU. So, it wasn't so much about like her music. Now, I will say, I think I. Uh, I think I'm somewhat of a fan, probably, but I I wouldn't ever claim to be like a true fan just because I couldn't name most of her songs. Like I feel like I could name like some of the big ones, but um, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not trying to hide anything. I feel like I <laughs> am perfectly fine being a fan of Taylor. I think she's a she is a good songwriter um, and good performer, but I don't think I um, know enough like about her or her music to be like probably a true Taylor Swift fan. What kind of music do you listen to, Pastor Ben? What, 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 what is the, the, the range? What, what are some bands and groups you like? Yeah, so this is not. This is like just not just the pastor answer. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> pastor answer and not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so we do listen to like a lot of like worship music. Um, my wife's favorite group for a long time has been Shane and Shane, mm -hmm. and so we will often listen to them. And they're they're one of my favorites as well. I just need to give her the credit because I, I think she was a, she's a bigger fan <laughs> and was first. Um, but we do love listening to kind of that probably like style like of acoustic music and. 
I mean, you know, as I have gotten older, I think I have appreciated more and more music that does turn my attention to to the things of God. But I've also learned that other music can do that as well. Just learning, I think, how to um, to gauge and, and and filter it well. So I think probably that style of music is is mostly mm-hmm. what I've I've listened to. But I mean, I've been a fans of like different uh, kind of acoustic, like um, like John Mayer, Jack Johnson, um, Coldplay. Not really acoustic, you know, but that kind yeah. of like style. Um, because of my older sisters, I was a fan of. Uh, I guess I still am a fan of Three Eleven. I um, don't know them. Same. <laughs> yeah, it's Joel. Yeah, you know them? Joel, okay, uh, Joel's uh, That's showing that. So well, I'm not a youth pastor anymore. <laughs> Some of my age. I mean, they were a little before my time, even. So, but I had older older sisters, you know. But so, um, like Three Eleven, it was kind of like chill. But they had they had different. Um, styles that would come out in their music at times. Um, and I do, I have listened to a lot of, uh, like hip hop throughout my life just cause of like the culture I grew up in, like where I went to high school, friends that I had, it was just part of culture. And so, um, listened to a lot of secular like rap and hip hop, um, which I still appreciate a lot of like the artistry and the, um, creativity, um, a lot of the lyrics are not very like glorifying to God or, or put your mind in the right place. And so sometimes I, I struggle with uh, like how much is, is good to listen mm-hmm. to and how much should be helpful. And I could never recommend it to youth, but can I listen to it myself? <laughs> or, like those are things yeah, I wrestle that's with. A good, that's a good question. Yeah. But there are good like um, Christian, you know, hip hop yeah. artists uh, as well. And I, and I think it's grown more and more um, in the last couple of like decades. And so I've appreciated that as well, that there can be that, form of music, that art, um, and still have like lyrics that kind of help you, um, consider things from a godly perspective. So yeah, I think that pretty much covers, I'm not like, I'm just not a big music person in general. Um, so like I, I appreciate music, but I just don't know much about it. So just to be able to, I probably focus more on the lyrics than I do on the actual probably Mm -hmm. details of, uh, of the music. Mm Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of entertainment, what are things that you do for fun outside? And I imagine LSU is going to come up here. The shirt you're wearing, the shirt. So, it's yeah. Good day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sports. Yeah, I like to uh, watch sports and play sports. Grew up playing a lot of sports. Uh, I still like to play basketball. Um, something my dad and I like to do together. So we'll go play pickup basketball together. We just started a um, basketball ministry here at our church. Um, Well, it's not at our church. We meet at another church because they have a gym, but our church Uh. is trying to kind of promote it where we started just trying to invite people from our church, but we'd like to make it a place where you could invite um, non-Christians or people Mm -hmm. that don't normally go to church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've always loved sports for that reason, like the relationships that you build. I feel like, Playing football, I learned more about being like a team player because you're just so dependent upon other people mm-hmm. on a football team, and also a lot about being a leader um, on the team. And so I, I've always appreciated playing sports, watching sports. Um, I tried to, you know, embrace some Bay Area, you know, teams. <laughs> I I like the Giants. I'm a fan of the Giants because I didn't really have a baseball team. Um, I'm kind of mixed on the Warriors. Obviously, they're oh. great and fun to watch, but I had like allegiances before I moved here. So I'm like, torn. how do you stay true? But I can, I can appreciate like how just great they are. And it's fun having a championship team in our city. Um, so, yeah, sports. Um, 
like to watch movies and shows and things like that. Uh, something uh, Elaine and I especially do together, um, go hiking, get outside, things like that. Mm. Um, but, and, and I am trying to still finish out my schoolwork. Mm. So between kids and pastoring and, and family and, um, and then schoolwork, I don't do as many like fun things as I probably should do. <laughs> wow, you made time for a podcast. I feel really honored. <laughs> <laughs> and podcasting. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I, I like how you're helping me like segue to next questions because you mentioned like the basketball like pickup game. And I was thinking about evangelism and just like as a pastor, like I know as like a normal person, not a pastor, evangelism is something that I struggle with. So I'm like, is it easier for you as a pastor to just share the gospel with people or is it still as awkward as I think it is for everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably some things that are easier and some things that maybe are even harder. Mm. Um, I think sometimes it's easier because I just naturally have an open door. If anybody asks me what I do, you know, tell them that I work at a church, tell them I'm a pastor, things like that. And so it's just very easy, natural for me to invite them to church or tell them more about uh, either what I've been preaching about or just why I'm a pastor and things like that. So there are a lot of just natural conversation points that make it, I think, easier to talk about my faith and share the gospel with people. Um, I think sometimes people could maybe shut me down a little bit quicker than other people as well, you know, just because it's not like, um, you know, well, she's a Christian, but she also does this. Like for me, maybe it seems like that's all who I am. And especially what just kind of maybe either past experiences they have with pastors Mm -hmm. and churches or just perceptions they have. Sometimes it can be an obstacle. I think the biggest obstacle is just the fact that I'm just not naturally around a lot of, you know, Mm non-Christians except for just like really quick opportunities. So, you just think about most of my time is spent working with church people, you know, working with a church staff and being ministering to church members and then trying to network with other pastors and other ministry leaders. And so, uh, so much of my time is done doing that. It's hard to sometimes build relationships with non-Christians. So, I think it's something I have to be really like intentional about. Um, and so I think that's one of the maybe the obstacles. Like I'll have things in passing where I can invite someone to church, but to spend the time getting to know them is kind of not just going to happen at work or in some of the natural mm-hmm. things of life. I need to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's still I think it still can be awkward. Mm-hmm. I think it still can be difficult. Um, I think again, it's probably easier for me because they kind of know like this is what he believes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something like, I, I don't know. Like, and a lot of times there's, there is some respect like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're a pastor, like good for you doing something good like that. Like mm-hmm. people will say that even if they don't believe in yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is some, some of those things that probably make it a little easier for me. But when it comes to like asking people to make some type of commitment or mm-hmm. believe something different, I think they're probably just as like hesitant or resistant to me as they would be to you or anybody else who's trying to kind of share those things with them. And jumping back slightly, you had mentioned you moved from suburbs to like here, San Francisco, a city. Is there anything like you you were shocked about when you came to SF that you just did not expect or like a preconceived notion that you were like wrong about? Yeah. Mm. Well, we moved here at like a weird time, right? We moved mm, during COVID. So yeah. it was kind of hard to gauge like what mm. the city was like in some ways. Mm. Um, we had visited like the city before. And so 
and we had been in the suburbs. We'd also been always kind of around the city. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we're, we've been in New Orleans before. And so I, I feel like there, we've been in not just kind of like um, maybe the Bible Belt, like mm-hmm. New Orleans, Las Vegas. So there were some things that I I don't think we've been like totally shocked by San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one of the, the small things, and I mentioned it in a sermon, I think maybe just even last Sunday, we were talking about community. Yikes, I wasn't uh, listening. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh no, I didn't mention it very specifically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to admit that you weren't listening no. at all. <laughs> no, no, just something yeah. I, I mentioned kind of as a side uh, on community. But I, and maybe you guys, I don't know, y'all can tell me if your experience is different, but it seems to me like it's really hard to like find the time to be with other church members here in the city. Um, like in the suburbs, people probably like live in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. driving somewhere, like maybe it takes you five minutes. You could park in their driveway. They get plenty of space at their house. And like the city, it's just if people don't have a car or if they're trying to find parking, mm-hmm. uh, people work long hours, you know, and that happens some in the suburbs, but I think it happens more in the city. I just, and maybe it's different. You guys are at a different stage of life than me, so maybe it makes it easier. But to me, it it feels like it's even harder to get people to either come up to the church building for a Bible study, not on Sunday, or get people to like together for dinner or just other things. Like it feels like it's been an extra challenge to just get together with people where some of it felt a little more natural or easy, like living in the suburbs. Mm. I've never lived in the suburbs. So I actually have no like, yeah clue yeah what the difference would have been or yeah i don't know i feel like, yeah the, the friction definitely rings true because it's just like most people i think most people who live in, in sf don't have a car mm. so it's you know everyone's using public transit or you know you're ubering somewhere and people are working long hours so that that all rings true yeah mm. yeah so i think that was maybe one thing that i and of course moving her during covid mm. We couldn't do some of the community things right at first, but I think even since then, and we just feel it in our own lives, you know, like it just, life gets very busy and it's always been busy, but I think, yeah, just some extra obstacles to being around people and Mm -hmm. and having some community. Pastor Ben, um, this may be not connected to the last question, but looking back at kind of COVID and the whole COVID, like kind of just a historic thing that we just went through, what was... What are some of the things that you kind of learned coming out of that like crazy time? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I guess you know it's still something that you we're dealing with, but um, I think especially, you know, for me at least, church was just like I, I like I don't I don't know what I would have done without the community in um a first SF during during COVID, but um, curious like how how that has kind of influenced you and like maybe what some of your lessons learned were. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's also hard because it wasn't just COVID. There were so many other things that happened, right? Mm -hmm. Like politically and just tensions in our, our country. Um, so to me, one of the things I learned, I, I think was like, um, those, those difficult seasons, like, like a pandemic, um, you know, I think they happen in each one of our lives personally, but especially when it happens kind of around the world like that. I don't, I think it more uncovers what's just beneath the surface mm, than causing new yeah. things. Like, I think there probably are some new things that happen, but I think more it exposes things. And so I think that. I think we saw a lot of fracturing in, in like the kind of church in general in America, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of people, maybe just around COVID, you had a lot of people saying, well, if you're not gathering, you know, mm-hmm. 
despite these regulations and you, you're, you're listening to the government more than you are to God. And you got other people are saying, well, if you gather, you are just not loving your neighbor because you're spreading this deadly disease. Mm. And so there's just this very clear division on which side are you going to choose? And I think that had been brewing for a while, but it just started to be exposed with COVID. But there's lots of other things happening, yeah. right? With like racial tensions and um, are you going to say that Black Lives Matter or not? You know, like where are you going to stand mm. on all these hot button issues? And so I think a lot of those fractions had already taken place. And so sadly, what you saw a lot of was people, well, I'm going to go find my church that lines up. Mm. I'm going to go find a church that lines up in my political view or where I stand on this issue. So thankfully, I, we didn't see it, I think, as much here at our church. One, because there's just not as many church options in San Francisco <laughs> as you have in other places. Um and some people just move from the city, you know, but like, I think I heard from a lot of other pastors that like, man, people we had, people that they had um, ministered to, I had, I had done their, their parents' funeral. I had been with them through the difficult times. They just quit coming to church because we were requiring masks or because we didn't gather for this time or because mm-hmm. we didn't say this, whatever. And so I just think that people started to go to those those places. So I think those things were happening and, and something like COVID just exposed it. Um, so one, I, I think it shows us that in the not hard times, we've got to build like healthy community, healthy foundation mm-hmm. that will stand strong during um, something like that. Yeah. And so I was thankful to, to come to a church where I felt like um, like the previous pastor, other leadership, um, and then the members themselves who had stayed had really kept this body healthy. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but a lot of those fractures weren't there. And so I think when when COVID happened, it actually exposed a lot of love between members. Mm-hmm. People valued the community, you know, like you were just saying. Um, and so I, I think that um, yeah, I was just so thankful that that had already been laid, the foundation had been laid here, and that's what we got to experience. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can keep building on that here at our sure. church so that when ha- things happen in people's lives personally or kind of globally like they've happened here um, in these last couple of years, we'd be able to experience the goodness of of that community. Um, so yeah, that, that was one thing. I, I think the uh, maybe another just thought that I have is just the... Um, the importance of gathering in person. Um, I, I know like as there's, you know, I've been so thankful for technology, thankful for Joel and the way Aww. that he's helped us, uh, <laughs> you know, stay connected when we could not be together in person. But I just know I've talked to so many people who just long for coming back in person. Mm-hmm. And so we need to use, you know, digital resources and and online streaming and things like that as a good like resource, but it, it can't be a replacement mm-hmm. because people long for truly being together in community in person. Yeah. And so um, I think we, we gained a lot of tools, but we just can't rely on those things as the the only kind of new way forward. They need to just be better resources and tools, not a replacement of what yeah. the church is really called to be. 